The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Barca Bloodgrounders podcast. My name is Josh. I'm joined by Jake from Bavarian Football Works. Jake, how are we doing today? We're doing good today, Josh. We're uh, we're excited. We're looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about what uh, this team has done so far this season. Yeah, so this, uh, this, this is kind of the matchup I was so excited about. And it was one of those things where with Barcelona's current form, I couldn't really get that excited about it because I was half expecting them to blow it against Napoli. But um, now that they've blown La Liga, uh, this is kind of everything. Uh, if there's to be any resemblance of success this season in the Barcelona world, it's going to have to be beating Bayern Munich and eventually um, just making it farther than Real Madrid in the Champions League is, uh, you know, has to be big. It's what Barcelona fans are going to have to hold on to. Um, so just kind of getting to, you know, re-know Bayern Munich. Um, it hasn't been that long since we've played, but um, I think with the pandemic kind of shutting football down, it's kind of good to get reassociated with where everyone is in the, uh, the football pecking order i guess and of course byron ran away with the bundesliga but um who would you say is kind of the defining player for byron this season like when you think about this year so far who's been the guy that sticks out well i'm gonna i'm gonna give two answers to this right because the first answer is the most obvious answer right robert Lewandowski is going to be the person that you think of when you think of byron munich Mm -hmm. and of course he has all of the accolades and he deserves all of them. He's been one of the best goal scorers in the entire world this season, fully deserving of a Ballon d'Or in my full and honest opinion. If you ask many people, they will probably agree with that. His goal pace has been torrent this season. He's been scoring in every UEFA Champions League game that he's been a part of this season. So in that regard, he's been great. But I think the one person to really define this season is not on the pitch, but on the sidelines. It's Hansi Flick. For background on this, Bayern came into the season with a Serbian or a Croatian head coach by the name of Niko Kovac, somebody who I kind of liked, but who had a playing style and a managerial style that didn't necessarily gel with a bunch of Bayern players. So after a 5-1 loss to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga, uh, he got fired. Mind you, this was the week before, or like the Sunday before a... Champions League matchup with Olympiacos and a matchup in De Clasica with Borussia Dortmund the following Saturday, right? So Hansi Flick, a man who has kicked around the German football coaching system, but not necessarily been a top flight coach before. But I believe the most previous uh, full-time managerial appointment he had was with Hoffenheim before they were even in the second division in the German soccer pyramid. So he comes in, he institutes a number of changes. And as a result, 
Bayern look to be the team that we all thought they were going to be this season. Under Kovac, they weren't necessarily feeling that exact same kind of way, but you see things like Thomas Müller really coming into his own after he finds out that the role that's should have been his for the last seven years has been told that it's going to be his to lose and nobody's really going to come in and try to supplant him whether or not they're Philippe Coutinho whether or not there's some other young striker that they try to bring in and as a result he led the Bundesliga in assists with 21 it, it always felt like before overall. before this season it always felt like and I guess like the Müller's under underappreciated thing has kind of always been a storyline but it always felt like for whatever reason even even though he's kind of like this perfect German archetype for like what you would want as a Byron player. It always felt like they were trying to find something better out of his position. I don't really know why. Yeah, I don't exactly understand it either. Muller has been really, really good, at least for the last two seasons, right? I can I can understand it if we think back to the 2016-17 season. He didn't necessarily have the best season that he possibly could have. There was a lot of fans calling him to be sold, and there was a couple of links with him to Manchester United. But ever since he's locked that down, he's been phenomenal. And in addition to his changes up at the front, there have been amazing changes at the back as well. Byron's had a terrible season in terms of luck with injuries. We just got Luca Hernandez from Atletico Madrid for about $89 million. He goes down early on in the season. Nicolas Sula, who's probably going to be the next amazing German center back, also went down this season. So he had to sit there and think to himself about what he could have done that involved bringing back Jerome Boateng who has had a resurgence in form this season unlike any other he switched David Alaba from left back to center back and he brought in a Canadian 19 year old youngster by the name of Alfonso Davies who normally plays on the left wing to left back and over the last seven months, you could have argued that Alfonso Davies has been the best left back in the world. It's insane how he's been able to bring so much out of all of these players and how they've been able to adapt and respond to Flick's style of play. Yeah, so from the Barcelona side, going into this match, obviously Lionel Messi is like, you know, the big bad, like however beaten down Barcelona are, they're always like the, yeah, but Lionel Messi. So besides Lionel Messi, is there any part of this Barcelona team that scares you at all? I kind of want to jokingly say Antoine Griezmann, but (laughs) um, in fairness, the one thing that kind of scares me the most about Barcelona is how unpredictable they might be with their lineup, which Mm -hmm. is something I never thought I'd be able to say about Barcelona with Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez on the pitch, but that midfield is really going to be something to think about, right? Because the only one that I know for a fact is going to be there is Frankie de Jong. And in terms of the rotation, I don't know if you're going to slot Sergio Roberto into central midfield. I don't know if you're going to start Ricky Puig. So I think in that regard, it's going to be interesting to see how Byron lines up because competitively, it's been a little while since Byron and Barcelona have played each other. And it was a very different Barcelona from back then as to what it is now. Okay, so and remind me of the last time they played. Was it like 16 or 17? I want to say that it was the 16-17 season. Yeah, so it was when they still had Neymar at that point, right? 
Yeah. That sounds right. I think it was that. Yeah, because I think it was the the match where Messi turned Boateng around. I think that was like the last series they played. The one where Lionel Messi stole his ankles and they've never been able to recover. Yes, I think that was the last match. And I'm pretty sure that was a midfield of Busquets, Iniesta, and Xavi for you guys. So it's been very different from that point too. Yeah, and like you don't know, like you mentioned about the inconsistent or like the uh, the unpredictability of the midfield, right? Like you don't know if they're going to head up like a more attacking style midfield with Messi. Like Messi's kind of been um, like the attacking midfielder for Barcelona all season, but he's they still might slot him in somewhere different. You don't know if they're going to come out with a more defensive style midfield. And I guess for me, it would be how they how they counter um, counterattack Byron's counterattack. I'm trying to think of the the word how they push back against it is going to start from the midfield. And I guess we're going to get a lot of information about how they're going to play just from the people they put on the pitch. So. Um, I guess if Byron are to come away with a win here, which I actually, I don't know who the betting favorites are, but I would guess it's Byron Munich. Who do you, who's the guy who's going to have to have a big match for you to come away with a win here? Like I think in previous matchups with Barcelona, you would just pick basically like the defensive midfielder be like, he has to contain Messi. But I don't even necessarily know if that matters all that much with the way Messi plays recently um, in the midfield. Like it's not going to be like a, like a one guy thing, right? It's more of a system thing, but Coming away from this match, if Byron are to win, who do you think the player will be who's going to steal the show? I think that as a team and as a unit, Byron have played incredibly well this season, which is kind of evident of a high-class German soccer team. They work well together, they coordinate together, and they do well as a group. But the one person I would say had a not as good performance as they could have not as great of a performance as they could have in the last game was Leon Goretzka he got subbed off I believe either at halftime or a little shortly after halftime he didn't necessarily have the greatest game in the world and that midfield duo at least that double pivot of uh, Leon Goretzka and Thiago has worked wonders for Bayern Munich all year. So I really think that with the start of Bayern's attack, usually coming from those two, they both need to be on this game. And I'm looking towards Goretzka to really improve his match form from the game against Chelsea. And hopefully he'll be able to do some really, really good things in this match for us. Did you learn anything that you didn't know about Bayern from that Chelsea match? Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't really like yeah. that. Bayern, that that was a seven-one win on aggregate. I believe in all competitions against uh, uh, clubs from London this season. Bayern has an aggregate score of seventeen to four. So I'm not necessarily uh, too too unconvinced about that. If anything, I'm more excited. Like yesterday's game. Uh, for PSG Atalanta, I thought PSG were going to get rolled over because they haven't played in five months, but that wasn't the case. They were able to come back, and somehow I looked at this Bayern team and I said, "Well, maybe the defense could have lapsed back a little bit," but like that was weird for me because I was like really poking holes in a four-one win after the team hadn't played a competitive match in a month. So, yeah, to me, I don't think there's much that this Bayern team could have learned from Chelsea. I just think they needed to go out there and put some kind of cogent performance on the field and win the game to move on. Yeah. It was like a, it was a much more um, effortless isn't the right word, but I, I guess they looked 
so much less tense than I expected. Um, like, I guess I expected some awkwardness at the beginning. Um, I did not expect the, the win to be that convincing. Um, I guess with Chelsea's recent form, um, I expected somewhat of a not equal performance, but I, I guess I, I did not expect what happened. And from the Barcelona side, right? Like, that's, that's pretty terrifying. Um, Byron don't look rusty at all. They look like... Um, they look like mid, they look like great midseason form, which I guess is as scary as you would expect coming into the Champions League. Um, I guess talking about specific players, is there any chance Tiago actually leaves the summer? This one has been like really up in the air for me. I I personally don't want Tiago to leave this summer. I think a lot of people don't want Tiago to leave this summer, but. For the last number of years, Bayern has had an absolute glut of midfielders, central midfielders to be very specific, in their lineup at the point where a lot of the problems with Bayern could have been attributed to trying to balance the lineup in order to make sure that every central midfielder got the playing time that they needed, right? It's re- it's reasons like that why Arturo Vidal leaves, but... I, I don't I I honestly don't know because I think if there's any midfielder that's going to leave Bar- Bayern Munich for a fact this summer, it's going to be Javi Martinez. And it's most likely that he's going to go back to athletic Bilbao. Um, but Tiago, meanwhile, I'm, I'm honestly not that sure because there's about to be another uh, form of that glut of central midfielders because we would have Tiago say we keep Tiago, right? Then we also have Leon Goretzka to deal with. We also have a Corentin Tolisso who's coming back from an injury. We didn't necessarily see him perform at all this year. Now he's going to come back. He's young. He's loved Byron for a while. I doubt that they sell him. I really hope they don't. And in addition, Joshua Kimmich has made the decision to rotate from right back to central defensive midfield. Now, when Barcelona lines up against Bayern Munich, Kimmich will be playing at right back, but that's only because Benjamin Pavard has been injured. So when we come into next season, we're going to have four people that could be argued at being world-class central defensive midfielders trying to vie for what amounts to be two spots. So if Tiago looks at that and says that he thinks that he could go and get better playing time at somewhere, say in England, like at a Liverpool or a Man United, I don't necessarily blame him, but he's been so instrumental in being almost like a Pirlo, almost like a metronome for us in midfield that I don't want to see him go. Yeah, and so same question for um, David Alba, right? I think I so I wrote a piece like I guess about a month ago when kind of the rumors popped up again, like oh David Alba to Barcelona, and it's just like it seemed like another year of contract posturing. Um, and is there any world? Because I I personally would love this world. Uh, is there any world where he actually leaves, or is this just more contract posturing to get a bigger deal from Byron? David Alaba to Barcelona rumors a tale as yeah. old as time. <laughs> it's like there's like the one club he's like, how how can I get them to pay me more money? I'll just I'll flirt with Barcelona a little bit for like a week. We'll get a couple <laughs> reports out there, and then the money will come in. Yeah, that's possible. And uh, for all of the Barcelona fans out there that really want to see David Alaba come to their club, I hate to break it to you, I really don't think it's going to happen because as good as 
David Alaba has been at left back. He has been astounding at center back this season. He's come out and basically become Bayern's number one center back to the point where there were rumors that Bayern was going to sell Luca Hernandez. The man who Bayern shattered their club record for signings for, for defenders especially, Right, you don't spend eighty-nine million dollars on a defender these days unless he's Virgil Van Dyke. You're not going to do that, and yet that's exactly what Bayern did with Luca Hernandez. And now that he's been injured for most of the season, and David Alaba has had this amazing form, they were flirting with the idea of sending him to PSG. I don't think that's going to happen, and. More to that point, I don't think Byron's going to want to sell David Alaba either or let him walk out. I think that there's an uh, there's a very real possibility that David Alaba becomes one of Byron's two starting center backs next season. And for that reason, I, I really can't see him going anywhere else. I know the rumors were hot earlier this uh this summer, but I really doubt that they move forward with having him leave the club now, especially if Byron does well in the Champions League. Yeah. So I mean I knew he was playing well. I guess I didn't know he was uh he was playing that well. So if if Alaba is going to be one of the starting center backs, right, and you spend that much money on Luca Hernandez, like where does that leave Jerome Boateng? I think Jerome Boateng is going to occupy a new role in his uh, in his time at Bayern. Uh, not necessarily that he wasn't doing this beforehand, but I think he's going to have to occupy a mentor role from this point on, like a squad rotational, coming off the bench for about 30 minutes, a couple of matches down the road kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because while he has been absolutely phenomenal this season, if you're telling me that I have to pick between Sula, Luca Hernandez, David Alaba, and Jerome Boateng, the Boateng's admittedly going to be on the bottom of that list for me. So uh, I think I that's think insane, lot- by the way, just like just just so yeah. you know how, how ridiculous that conversation was right there. Like the, the conversation you had earlier about defensive midfielders was like, yeah, OK, but it's Bayern. like th- this is just this is so ridiculous. The, the gluttony of defensive players that Byron always seems to just bring in and have and just have it, it, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's somewhat magical to be able to hoard that many center backs, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Boateng left this summer. That's a rumor that really hasn't been percolating. I wouldn't be shocked. Like I imagine if they get a good offer for Jerome Boateng that they might let him leave, but I, um, I don't see him getting a lot of, uh, like if everybody stays healthy, not knock on knock on wood. If everybody stays healthy, I don't see how Jerome Boateng becomes a consistent starter for this team. And that's just the sad facts of he's on the wrong side of his thirties. He seems like he's lost a step or five in terms of pace. So I can't I can't exactly see him being a firm starter if everybody's back. Yeah. Um the last player I wanted to talk about individually, and not so much for this match, obviously, but um, like big picture, how excited are you to have Leroy Sané? I'm incredibly excited. Not if if anything for 
us to finally have this transfer saga be over because um we i think we wrote about a hundred articles on Leroy Sané and and that's and that's not an estimation I'm pretty sure the exact number of articles that we compiled on Leroy Sané was about 100 or 101 before he actually came to the club and the rumors that started back in I want to say like March or April of 2019 and came all the way full circle to now I think in terms of this Bayern team, the thing that I apparently we love is depth and nothing but depth. Like I mentioned in defensive midfield, as well as the back line. Now we have a potential front three of Leroy Sané, Robert Lewandowski, and then at right wing, you could either have Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry. To me, that's just exciting in terms of whoever is going to be stuck on that bench will most likely be coming on in the 55th or 60th minute as a turn of pace and will automatically have an impact on any game that they're a part of. I think Sané is an amazing world-class talent. I think that he's going to serve the German national team very well for the years to come. And... Uh, I think now that Sané is in and we basically have our new, uh, I find it weird and it's a bit disingenuous to Kingsley Coman that people never thought that he was like really the true other part of our new robber, robbery. We call him robbery, right? Frank Ribery and Aryan Robin uh, duo on the wings, but in fairness to all those people, Kingsley Coman has been injured for very, very long periods of time most of the last couple of seasons. It was a miracle this season that of all of the injuries that happened, Kingsley Coman was not amongst them. So to me, I think this, uh, I think the acquisition of Sane is going to do nothing but good for this Bayern team and I, I honestly just can't wait to see what he can do in a Bayern uniform. Yeah. Uh, I think him, I think Sané, Dembele, and Coman are like the three of the young youngest players in the world that uh, are the most enjoyable to watch and that are also the most frustrating and that you don't actually get to watch them as much as you would hope. Uh, yeah. All for different reasons, right? Injury or just not getting playing time. Um, so kind of predictions time. What do you think is going to happen with Bayern versus Barcelona? I'm going to be very honest. I am not looking forward to this game. Really? I I wanted, and here's why, right? I was looking forward to this game until I turned on Barcelona-Napoli to basically do opponent scouting. And when I saw Lionel Messi score basically one of the greatest goals I've ever seen, lying down, basically the man was taking a nap and he scored a goal. Um I can't say that I'm really looking forward to if if I was not a Bayern fan, I would be turning this game on and I'd be doing nothing throughout my entire day on Friday, but sitting there and watching it Um, to be actually involved with it. It's, it's a bit terrifying to me, right? Because it's Barcelona because it's Lionel Messi because Suarez is still pretty clinical. Um, and not to mention, earlier today, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge absolutely jinxed Alfonso Davies. He said in a quote, he said, 
Alfonso Davies is going to be matching up against Lionel Messi. If like, if Messi is going to have a turn of pace, Fonzie will be able to catch up to him. I'm like, have you not, did you not remember the last match where Manuel Neuer said that he was going to show Messi who was really the best, uh, the best player in the world. He absolutely broke Boateng's legs and then chipped Neuer and then Barcelona went on to win the Champions League. You basically just jinxed this team yet again. And I believe it was also 24 hours before the game that Manuel Neuer said that statement. And now it's 24 hours before this game and Karl-Heinz Rodenegger is saying this. So based on that alone, I should say 5-2 to Barcelona. But um, in, in fairness to, to, the Bayern, to the Bayern team ahead of us, I really think that they've been they've had the privilege of being relatively unchallenged, which is not to say that the Bundesliga isn't a tough league because it is. If you look in the past couple of years, sure, Bayern's won every year, but positions two through four have changed multiple times. The teams line up in different forms and different orders, and you don't always see the same people there and you see different kinds of teams the one team that's really given Bayern fits is this year is RB Leipzig they've had one one draw and a nil nil draw and that was with great attacking talent great young attacking talent on that team so now we're facing a team Barcelona that has great older attacking talent more veteran attacking talent and for that in my mind I'm a bit terrified so I want to say, I think if Bayern Munich wins, it's going to be a 3-2 win, but I don't think it's going to be as close as that scoreline suggests. I think like if Bayern scores their three goals, they're going to score their third goal by the 60th minute. Um, and then Messi scores one in like the 77th yeah. to put on a bit of pressure, but I don't know. There's just there's just something inside of me that's saying like I'm really terrified. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a just a natural reaction um, of facing Lionel Messi, even as he's at this point in his career. And I think Barcelona has not so much in the age of the players on the team. Um, they've aged with him in a lot of ways, and I think I think if this is a high scoring game, Barcelona are screwed. Um, I don't think they have a crazy amount of goals on them against a team like Bayern Munich, like they used to. Um, they could have a couple miracle goals, but if Byron are able to do the Byron thing, I don't think Barcelona are going to have a chance, even though it might feel like they have a chance just because they have Messi. So um, I think as long as Byron don't tense up and like, I, I just don't think there's a world where Messi comes out and has a hat trick or something crazy like that. Like one, maybe two, maybe. But for me, I, I just, I see Byron winning this like three, one, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm the Barcelona guy, so, you know, whatever, but that's just, that's just kind of how I see be, it going. We could be saying this and we might have like a seven, four on our hands. Like who knows this is it. If that, if that ended up happening, I don't know how I'd be able to sleep tomorrow. I just don't think there's any way Barcelona score more than two goals. I, I just don't see them scoring more than two against this Byron team, to be honest. I think it honestly depends on how, uh, how coherent this back line wants to yeah. wants to play. If you saw that Chelsea goal, like that was miscommunication on Neuer's part, miscommunication on the back line's part. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to this game. I just think that 
I, I think that, and it's weird for me to say, I don't know which Bayern team is going to show up. And what by when I say, I don't know which Bayern team is going to show up. I mean, is it going to be the team that beat Tottenham seven one, or is it going to be the team that beat Borussia Dortmund only one nil, which is hard for any team to be able to say that they have that much depth. But uh, I think there's a clear difference between both of those teams. And I definitely want the former, not the latter. Yep. So, Jake, thank you for joining me. Be sure to check out Bavarian Football Works, everybody. They have a great podcast over there, do amazing coverage of Bayern Munich. Jake, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me.